Hey, guess what, folks? What's that, Alex? Disrupt Berlin is right around the corner, and we have a deal for you. 15% off if you use the promo code EQUITY. Now, a ticket gets you access to the amazing content we have in store on stage. Investors and founders, including Daniel Ramat, Sonali DeRiker, Aileen Sarah, and Jamie Burke will grace the stage in just a few of the many exciting panels that will cover the startup landscape in Europe and beyond. You'll also be able to watch our premier startup competition, Startup Battlefield, visit Startup Alley, and attend our Q&A sessions, which are more intimate panel discussions with subject matter experts. Exciting, right? Very exciting. Disrupt Berlin runs November 29th and 30th, so get to techcrunch.com slash disruptberlin and use the promo code equity at checkout for 15% off. We'll see you there. If you're looking to sell your private company's stock, SharesPost has a solution for you. With more than $4 billion in company-approved transactions, SharesPost is the leading marketplace for private company shares. To learn more, visit us at sharespost.com slash equity. Hello and welcome to Equity. This is a special Thanksgiving holiday edition, which means we are chilled back here in the TechCrunch office just hanging out. I have... Kate Clark with me. Kate, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I mean, this is your office after all. And uh, <laughs> I didn't do my intro correctly. I'm Alex. I'm one of the regular hosts. And this is going to be something a little bit special. We are not doing our usual newsy, guesty sort of things. There's no venture capitalists that we're going to have to make interesting on the show this week. Instead, we are going to talk about some of the most interesting, most uh, foolish, and uh, the silliest rounds that we can come up with. So this is a uh, very adventure Equity episode. So, Kate, what is our uh, our first theme we're going to dig into? Our first theme we're going to dig into is just some of the strangest rounds, what we're calling the wild cards of 2018. Just some rounds that we couldn't necessarily wrap our heads around when we were doing our reporting on the company's fundraises. I, I like that. So, according to the according to our note doc here, the first one is Allbirds, and they raised somehow a fifty million dollar Series C. Yeah, so pretty recently, Allbirds raised uh, $50 million at a $1.4 billion valuation. So Allbirds is a shoe uni- shoe unicorn, shoe unicorn, oh, okay. we whichever can, you... We can go with that. Yeah. Unicorn's okay. Yeah, so um, I personally, I did cover this round for TechCrunch, and at the time, I just wasn't really sure what value is a shoe business at $1.4 billion. Um, they've also raised $75 million to date, uh, and they've so, opened a few stores, too. But this round then was, you know... 2x what they had raised before in one single chunk. Yeah. That's staggering. And I mean, it's so Allbirds, if you're unfamiliar, is a sh- company that makes wool shoes. Um, I A lot of venture capitalists really like to wear them. I, and, and non-VCs. <laughs> I see them. I see them here. <laughs> I don't see them on the East Coast. Teslas you yeah. see everywhere, but I feel like Allbirds are still a bit of a regional phenomenon, at least in what you I see. You definitely see them more in San Francisco than anywhere else. I never saw them in Seattle very often. I only knew a couple people who had even heard of the company in Seattle. Right. And uh, this is just another episode of like, is this a, a real business at a good valuation, or is this a Silicon Valley f- phenom that won't convert? But uh, they now have the capital to get in trouble with. So mm-hmm. we'll m- see. May they may they do well with their fresh $50 million. Good and luck to them. When was that round? That round was in uh, exactly one month ago. Oh, all right then. Uh, next up, we have Ofo, which is a well one of the prior two leading bike sharing companies uh, in the world. Them and Mobike mm-hmm. were leading in China, and for a while there was this kind of amazing dogfight between the two companies about who could raise the most money, put the most bikes into the market. Um, there were tons of stories about how you know they had like you know tens of thousands of bikes, and they were they being used. And uh, it turns out um, that they raised a, a huge Series F. 
this year in March. It was an $866 million round. Just a ridiculous amount of money. That is that is like several Series A-focused funds in one infusion to a IRL bike company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't raised since, which is slower than their old cadence. And I'm throwing this in the wildcard bucket because for a minute... Everyone thought this was going to be the next big thing. We had Tencent versus you know Alibaba mm-hmm. going at it, kind of the kind of the China duopoly proxy war via bikes. Yeah, I think when they entered the U.S. market, a lot of people wondered, can they conquer the U.S. market just like they conquered China? And it's not looking good. They've shut down a lot of their international markets, reportedly to focus on profitability. And I've heard now since that they are very much struggling. Yeah, well, it turns out that if you price your bike trips so low, everyone wants to take them, you don't make enough money to pay for your bikes. And uh, we're we're not going to talk about scooters on this episode. We took it out, but as yeah. a small we data discussed point, discussing it. But. We just, yeah, we, and now we're discussing our discussion of its discussion. Um, but what matters is scooters have a similar problem, right? So they have to pay themselves back and then contribute mm. to the company's uh, profitability. And I think scooters probably have a better shot at it than bikes. But this is a similar sort of uh, situation that we saw play out at least once now. Um, but scooting a boot, we have Wag. Yep. So Wag is like the worst version of Rover. I didn't. I, have you used them? I, I don't have a pet. This is, just, <laughs> this is a strong. This opinion. is purely anecdotal. But um, yeah. So SoftBank invested in Wag. What? How much money? Three mm. three hundred million. It was around three hundred million dollars. I have it pulled mm-hmm. up right here. Hang tight. It was. Oh, scroll. Three hundred million. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Dog walking startup. Dog walking startup. I can report though that in my building in Pack Heights, very popular. All the locks along the front. More popular are, than are Rover. Wa- yes. I live in a WAG-friendly building, apparently. Interesting. Um, but even even if it was better than Rover, even if it does very, very well, this is another example of, of round that we look at and we go, why was it so large? Like, this is a company that had raised money before, that was growing well, mm-hmm. that had a shot. Um, seemed fine. And then you drop $300 million on it, and then w- what does that mean? How does the company withstand that much capital? Mm-hmm. How do they not make a mistake? Right. Will they burn through it too fast? Can- are they responsible enough to have that much capital and actually you know, deploy it in a responsible way? Or just can Time we get enough of a return out of it to mm-hmm. make it make at any it, point? Yeah, yeah, because you have to earn back that valuation through growth. So um, happily, I own two dogs, which means I'll probably be a WAG customer at some point uh, in time. Uh, but we need to talk about media mm-hmm. while we're keeping this thing uh, moving along. Yep. So <laughs> this is probably my favorite section of the show. So who are we talking about in the new media section? Yeah, so this is a really interesting area for me too. Um, this year, Goop, which is Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle. Website, news website. Recently, they wrote an article about Bitcoin blockchain. So they're really expanding the horizons. Um, but yeah, so that, they raised $50 million And then Shedder, which is a um, sort of a millennial-friendly broadcast news startup. And then we have The Skim, which also raised around this year. And that is a newsletter that targets women. And it usually covers politics and other kind of mainstream um, global news events. Okay, let's, let's talk about these quickly in turn. So Goop, with a $50 million Series C... Uh, same as Allbirds, I think, uh, yep. at a quarter million yep. dollar valuation, quarter billion dollar valuation. Sorry, uh, this was back in March. Now, Goop is famous for selling products that don't always have medicinal value. I think yeah, would be Goop, a reasonable way. Goop has run into a little bit of trouble just because they, of the way they market their products and make it seem like certain products are um, recommended by doctors, for example, which are not. We don't need to get into the specifics of the sort of I'm things trying that to they avoid, advertise. But, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to avoid because none of them are, are PG enough for the show. So yeah. I'm just I'm dodging like you wouldn't believe. I mean, but, I think Goop is able to raise this much money at this valuation purely because it's celebrity backed. You know, it's founded by Gwyneth Paltrow. It's, it's her brand. I mean, I don't know how involved she is. So can we pause and take a break from the technology and just talk about who's, who's Gwyneth Paltrow? I only hear about her because of Goop. Do you actually not know who she is? No. 
I mean, maybe I do. She's do a I? very famous actress. Um, what was she She on? is known for... Um, Welcome to Equity, Celebrity Edition, 2018. She's known for Iron Man. Oh, Ag- I saw that. Avengers, Affinity War. I didn't see that. Shallow Hal. Nope. Um, she, I get her confused with Claire Danes. I was going to say Romeo Who? and Juliet, but okay, yeah. All right, moving on. Um, very famous actress. That's the point. That's I'm fine. sure the listeners have heard of Gwyneth yeah, Paltrow. Well, send me an email if you have. You tell me what's up. <laughs> Hey everyone, don't forget, this episode is brought to you by Shares Post. Uh, Alright, so Cheddar though is, is, is very interesting because they raised mm-hmm. a $22 million Series D, mm-hmm. so a later round, smaller amount in March of this year, and they are this kind of OTT or over-the-top um, quasi-CNBC-ish thing aimed yep. at millennials that's kind of fractured and put in your Twitter feed and your Facebook feed and all that. Um, I didn't think it was going to work. I didn't. I thought, oh, Lord, we already have ZNBC, and it's only right. so good. Do we need another one? But it proves that I'm wrong. So well, is go. it working? Well, I mean. It still exists? I, people, I see tweets about it. All right? I see tweets about it, too. That it, they're that's always true. my friends when they go on Cheddar. So I'm not sure how good of a signal that is. But people go. People care. People I mean, Aaron do. Levy did an interview on Cheddar the other day. He's the CEO of a public company. Fair. Yeah. Uh, the skim, though, is the one when I begin to lose mm-hmm. a little bit of faith. So I want you to talk to me about skim and yeah. uh, and what your take on this very famous newsletter is. Yeah, I think the skim is really interesting. So they've raised 12 million Series C in May. And what is even more interesting is that they're backed by The New York Times, have been for several years. Not sure why. I think, you know, it makes me wonder, like, if The New York Times is sort of looking at them as an experiment, how do, how you can you tap into these these like uh, niche audiences. But yeah, the skim targets women and it has this very conversational tone that actually some people have found to be a little bit offensive because it at times seems to be dumbed down. But um, they have a very large cult following and they have a really high daily open rate that I'm not going to say because I'm not sure what it is. But I recently read an article that talked about those specifics and was very surprised. So they seem to have figured out a really good way of appealing to female audiences that I think is really cool. It's not something that I subscribe to. And what, why is that? I, I don't like the tone. And I think as someone who reads the news every day, like someone who's in journalism, we, we, we are already reading so many much news. Like I don't need to subscribe to a newsletter that's like aggregating various bits yeah. of news that I'm already yeah. reading. I feel the way about a lot of things. And I don't need emojis in my news. You don't need emojis in your news. I, I agree with that. Have you ever tried to write a story using emojis? No. Don't. doesn't work. Sounds like fun. No, not really. <laughs> uh, anyways, the skim is another one that I don't understand, but is raising money and uh, is still growing, I guess. So mm-hmm. points to them for once again showing that They'll, I yeah. make a bad investor. <laughs> um, now, we're, we want to talk about two quick things. Um, what we're calling the fewer and the fatter, which is a, a great way to talk about how rounds mm-hmm. uh, are occasionally outsized. And so if you're, uh, if you're curious about what we're talking about, the first one is Roe, which had a different name. Until recently. Mm-hmm. Roman. Yes. Until and recently. what do they do? That is an erectile dysfunction startup. So they provide, I, I think it's like a direct consumer company providing medications for that. And now they are making a foray into tools to help you quit smoking. Which is called smoking cessation, I think, or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But they raised a Series A, which was how big? $88 million. <laughs> so this is part of a trend that I've been following for some time, which is basically that seed and Series A rounds are just becoming ridiculously large. $88 million yes. Series A. I mean, that's huge. That's just large for any round. I mean, that's just a lot of money. I mean, that's not a, s- a Series A. And these early stage investments are, are usually smaller. So, you know, what does it mean for a company if they're raising that much at, at an, such an early stage? Well, they're in the kind of D2C, direct-to-consumer, yeah. CPG, consumer packaged goods space. They sell Lots you of acronyms. S- 
stuff on a regular basis that you use in your day-to-day life. The the reason why this strikes me as kind of hilarious is that there's another one just like it called Hymns, right? Yep. Which I just pulled up. They've raised $97 million to date. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have two very well-funded, direct-to-consumer, generic Viagra companies. Why do they need $170, $180 million in capital to build that? Don't they need like two? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think, and actually, I've written about another one um, that was called 30 Madison, which is actually not a, a Viagra startup, but it's a startup fighting male pattern baldness, and they raised $15 million a month ago. Yeah, and Hims does the male pattern baldness mm-hmm. thing as well, because that drug is also now a generic, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, I see these ads at my gym, which is, you yep. know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Anyways, it's $88 million, and it's a Series A, and that used to be a Series Q, so things are weird. Uh, but we have one more of these kind of outsized rounds. Um, it's called Oh My Green. How much did they raise? So they raised a $20 million seed round. And that's even more hilarious because a seed round usually looks like, you know, maybe $1 to $3 million. Yep. So that's a lot larger than that. So it was a Y Combinator graduate company. And then also... Yeah, I think it was also part of StartX, which is the Stanford accelerator. I went to one of their demo days like 48 years ago. Um, but I see the name pop up occasionally. And here, um, probably big success for them. I mean, the company was only founded in 2014. It's already raised $20 million in a seed round. I don't know. It's not bad. Not uh, bad at all. But before the show, we were talking about what they do. Uh, can you give us kind of that, that encapsulation of their model? Yeah. So they're sort of like a full-service food startup. I think they want to sort of become like the go-to company for any business's food needs, whether that's catering a corporate event, providing meals for b- employees on a day-to-day basis, and then providing wellness plans for em- employees. That's a lot of different things to be doing at once. Uh, at the same time, though, I wouldn't want to have one provider for each of them. Mm-hmm. So It's a crowded space, too. I mean, they have space. to have a lot of offerings if they want to dominate that market. And there are like hundreds of food startups. Oh, there's a bunch. I mean, there's Zero Cater, Zesty, Thousands. one of which was acquired yeah. by Square, I think. Um, anyways, the hot space, but also a hot space is fitness tech, mm-hmm. which um, is something that I should use more of in my personal life, but I don't. Me too. Um, and everyone's, everyone's favorite uh, bike as a service company raised a couple of dollars this year. Yeah, Peloton raised $550 million this year. It was a Series F at a $4.1 billion valuation. So that makes them one of the most valuable startups in the U.S., definitely, at $4 period. billion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, period, at $4 billion valuation. And I actually talked with the um, CEO at the time of the fundraise, and he said that they were planning on sort of a launch, launching um, media products, which I thought was interesting. So, like, well, more, more to what they've already provided, which is, like, what, like, lessons on the bike and things like that. Right, because Peloton, you buy the bike for a couple thousand dollars and mm-hmm. you pay a monthly fee and on the screen that's built in, they have classes that are right. like helping you do things and people swear by this. Mm-hmm. It's like soul cycle, but in your house, they say. Um, but if they get into media, they already have some experience in that. Right. So it makes sense as kind of a uh, expansion vertical. Yeah, I think it's going to be more like further into the Netflix for fitness sort of idea. Netflix, I'm just thinking about what that means. So I, a, lot I of, a lot of fitness videos, a lot of original content. I think bringing on more, I, I'm guessing, I don't know, but like bringing on more like YouTube personalities to create more content for Peloton enthusiasts, things like that. Doesn't Peloton also now have a um, treadmill? I think they do. They do. Which is pretty cool. And um, Peloton's products are also very expensive. Yes. Worth I've almost bought a Peloton twice uh, and then walked myself back from the edge because I was like, wouldn't it be better to have money? And I said yes. Um, speaking of, of things that, that may work out, Mirror raised $35 million, And I don't actually believe you when you described to me how this company works. So please tell yeah. uh, our friends what this so is. So Mirror is – so they basically created this product that looks like a mirror and you put it on your wall and it 
um, has fitness content, fitness videos built into the product, and then you can walk up to it and then watch it and exercise. So yes, it is basically a TV, but I believe it is more interactive than a TV. Like it, it I think it's able to, um, you know, it sees you, it knows what you're doing. It can probably tell you some different characteristics of data on what you're how your workout is going. I've never used anything like I, this. I kind but of, I, the more you talk about it, the more I kind of get it. What if, what if you're a person who doesn't like to bike because biking is uncomfortable and if you run, you just run outside, but you want to do some calisthenics and maybe like, you know, like back in like high school sports, it was better to do lots of push-ups and be miserable with friends than by myself. Yeah. So maybe this is a way. And in general though, we, we joke, we snark, but if any of this stuff gets more people more healthy, mm-hmm. I'm going to have a hard time actually being opposed to it. Absolutely. And I think the key thing about this is it, it keeps you motivated because there's like a, some sort of digital coach that you think understands you, knows what you're doing, is watching you and holding you accountable, which is probably what we all need in order to exercise more. Uh, I would work out more if someone shouted at me once a day. I would too. Get off my, yeah. Um, but we should talk about one more thing before we go, which is, well, if you've lived in SF the last couple of months, you've seen the billboards for this company. They have been pandemic in bus stations and in other places as well. So Brex, which we talked about on the show just a couple of weeks ago, I think, um, they've raised some money. How much? Brex raised an $125 million Series C at a $1.1 billion valuation in October. And yeah, I think if I were to make a list of the companies that defined the startup ecosystem in 2018, Brex would definitely be on the list. It was just sort of came out of nowhere, and now yeah. it's pretty dominant in the industry. And not only are there billboards on every corner in San Francisco, but people are just talking about it and asking questions about it. I mean, it turns out that one of the best ways to get mindshare in Silicon Valley isn't through Facebook ads. It's through actually buying essentially posters that go up on every single street corner. Yeah. I mean, I saw probably 100 Brex ads before they popped up on anything that I that I was talking about. And I was like, oh, Brex. I kn- oh, God, it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I was telling Alex before we started recording, um, Brex was founded by two 22-year-olds who are from Brazil. And they are serial entrepreneurs. They've each founded three companies, I think, previously. <laughs> So um, they they moved to the U.S. to go to Stanford. They were at Stanford about six months, dropped out, as most entrepreneurs do. And they um, enrolled in Y Combinator to create a virtual reality startup. And they quickly learned that that was not going to work. And they decided to launch a fintech startup. And it has worked out very well. And Brex, of course, does uh, their taglines like, you know, corporate cards for your startup. Mm-hmm. And the uh, first of all, good for them, raising a lot of money at a billion-dollar valuation. One of the fastest companies to unicorn ever, probably. Um, but they do corporate cards for startups, one of the riskier finance categories. Mm-hmm. So they're taking on a lot of risk at a time in which it probably doesn't look very risky, given how everyone, as we've seen this the show, has money. But I'm really curious to see how Brex handles retention and uh, unpaid bills when things go south, because we do live in a market that goes up and down. Definitely. It'll be an interesting company to keep an eye on. Yeah. And uh, we're leaving aside Brandless because... Couldn't think of anything good to say about it. So, guys, that is Thanksgiving. <laughs> we hope you are full and fed and happy and warm, and we'll be back uh, in normal form next week. So stay cool, and we'll see you soon. All right, everybody, thank you for listening, and a big thank you to Connie Loizos, our producer Christopher Gates, our executive producer Henry Pickovet, and we will see you all right here next week. <laughs>